Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good evening, or morning, or afternoon. Whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time for a journey into science fiction, science fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. The Event Horizon features writers, lecturers, artists, filmmakers, and other talented creators of the fabric of this marvelous continuum we call science fiction. I am your host, Gene Turnbow, founder and station manager for Krypton Radio, and with me is Susan Fox, the station's executive producer. Five heroes, one quest, no clue. Tonight's episode of The Event Horizon for August 31st, 2013 features the co-creator and director of photography of the web series Walking in Circles, the co-creator and producer and writer being Jim Rodehaver, and the director of photography being Jared Hoy. This evening's episode was recorded before a live studio audience at the historic Las Vegas Clubhouse in Van Nuys, California. Sitting with us today are the uh, producers, writer, and director of photography of Walking in Circles, new web series just entering its second season on YouTube. And introduce yourselves, gentlemen. My name is Jim Rodehaver, and I am the writer of the show, slash producer, slash many other titles, because we didn't have an overabundance of people, so we all kind of had to wear a lot of hats. Uh, I'm Jared Hoy, uh, also helped produce and was the director of photography on the second season. The, the catch line that I was first exposed to back in 2011, when you first started the show, was... Five heroes, one quest, no clue. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and oh, the size of it. At the time, you guys approached us to be on the show. And we said, oh, yeah, let's do it. Except we didn't have a show to put you on at the time. And it wasn't until uh, February of this year that we started the Event Horizon. So now here you are. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about, I mean, we've just seen an episode of... Of walking in circles, where uh, where the band has just uh, ha- are trying to lift a curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's an ugly one. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, the second season picks up um, where Craig is on a journey back to his homeland because he's just learned that he has to go back and deal with some family issues. Um, and along the way, he ends up getting cursed. And so the second season is really about him sort of trying to overcome that so that he can continue his quest. Uh, yeah. So this is, a, this is kind of a, a band of crazies. It's, uh, I mean, if you, if you think about 
uh, Gandalf and, and Arwen and Legolas and Gimli and the various heroes of Lord of the Rings, it gives you a good frame of reference because these guys are not them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the guys you don't want to save the world. Uh, it's, it's not even the B team. Uh, it's, it's sometimes you get stuck with who you're stuck with and you've mm-hmm. got you've to finish that task Make anyway. Make the best of so. it. I, I, from the previous season, I just watched an episode where uh, Garwent? Is Garrett. Yeah. Garrett. Uh, who's the, the bard of the troop, mm-hmm. uh, just came out. He came out of the closet. He had to come out and admit to everyone that he was an elf. Yes, it's true. I'm an elf. That's why I wasn't affected by the siren's enchantment. See, we're just naturally resistant to those sort of things. Well, really glad you were able to share that with us. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> quite an quite an ordeal for him. <laughs> yeah, and then of course the uh, the wizard gives him no end of grief for it, which is one of our favorite bits, actually. Uh, the director slash one of the actors, uh, Adam Rady. He was, uh, we spent, I don't know, probably, I mean, you weren't even there for that at that point, but we spent like a whole hour out on the location, and uh, the the various elf jokes that you hear, mm-hmm. there's probably another 40 minutes worth of him just going, because we, we just kept going, and he uh-huh. just kept coming up with more and more jokes, so we, I mean, we had to cut it down a lot, obviously, but Elf a lot pride, of stuff. elf pride, elf pride, elf <laughs> pride. Yeah. All right, everybody. Let's just put this aside for now and get some rest. None of this changes our quest and we got some rough road ahead of us. You know what, Craig? You're right. If we're going to make it to the Gumdrop Mountain and through the Candy Cane Forest by morning, we're definitely going to need to get our rest. Yeah, so there had to have been some Hogwarts jokes in there, too. Uh, yeah, we hit just about all the references. They, we, we actually kind of cut out a lot of the referential humor, but we, we kept a couple in, but we tried to stay away from it just to the... What's that? We got the Cookie Elf jokes. The Cookie Elves. The Cookie Elves, yeah. Elves, and we've got, we've got, I think, uh, Legend of Zelda reference in there. We, right. we kept Duke, a little bit of it. So. Deku Nuts. Yeah, Deku Nuts. Deku Nuts. <laughs> Yeah. So, so uh, how did you guys start this idea? I mean, it's it's a it's a it's an interesting concept to start with. I mean, it's uh, this concept could have come from a bad D and D game. That's basically <laughs> That's what, it, what it is. I mean, honestly, I, I've played Dungeons and Dragons, you know, since I was a wee lad. And uh, that's, you know, that's essentially the core inspiration comes from a lot of that. It's from playing and, and having those bad, bad slash awesome sessions where just the craziest stuff happens. It's like, well, uh, you know, we're from, me and Adam are from Ohio originally, and we came out to L.A. because Adam wants to act and direct and I want to write. We decided to, we decided to create something ourselves. And so we took from what we knew, which was Dungeons and Dragons and geek stuff. So that that was going to be my next question. How do you go from playing Dungeons and Dragons to actually doing filmmaking about it? Where did you find these pretty people? Some of them are actually attractive. <laughs> well, we actually held, I mean, a lot of people, we, we brought our friends on board to help us out. But then we had casting sessions where, you know, we had auditions. And, you know, we just, we found the, the best actors for the job and, and hired them, really. Uh, hired maybe a little bit uh, stretching it because nobody got any money. <laughs> Invited them to come and play. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, essentially the the leap from 
uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons and having the idea to actually filming it really just comes from committing to doing it. You know, I think that that's really all it is. It's it's you just decide you're going to do it, and then you move forward and you keep the plan going, and you actually go out and do it. I think that's where a lot of things get hung up, is people have ideas and things they want to do, they just don't actually go and pick up a camera and film it. I think that's true. What I kind think... of equipment are you using? I mean, most people wouldn't go from, from tabletop gaming to, to <laughs> you know, filming things. Well, the technical side's really Jared here, so... Well, okay. season Good. one, uh, actually, I came on for season two. Okay. Uh, I saw, I met them at a convention, and I had just worked with uh, Katie Wilson, who plays Angie the Druid, in the party, uh, and she's like, "You need to meet these guys." So I met them, and I saw saw what they did, and <clears throat> like they didn't have. To me, the, the the story was there, and the the comedy was there, and I thought, "Well, I can add the the visual style to the show." Um, and a credit to John Buco, who handled the reins of first season, uh, but he is not a cinematographer. He wasn't schooled in it. He didn't. Uh, but he did a serviceable job. For yeah, it, I see I a distinct uh, difference from the first and second season. So I There's said I would come in, and and from there, kind of, kind of blew up. Uh, and I know season one, they pretty much you didn't have the camera, so you went and bought a camera, and oh. it didn't, <laughs> didn't had you know for the the Garand rock battle scene, you had to buy some lights, and uh, yeah. So it really came into like they bought the equipment. And then I supplemented with my equipment for the second season. Um, yeah, we used the DSLRs. Um, I mean, I can get really technical, but no one wants to hear that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, uh, it's. But it's stuff anyone could do if they were motivated. Yeah. And or foolish enough with their money. It, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I will yeah, say that. I mean, you, you know, yeah, we, you know, we're dedicated to to making the the films, and you know, we we. We have that passion, but you know it's cost us a lot of money. It's it's been it essentially is how does it get done? It gets done by pulling out our credit cards and going online and ordering a bunch of costumes and equipment and you know food for actors. I, I think that's a huge expense paying people. And it's people just, don't realize fighters in particular. Craft services yeah. on a low budget film. Craft yeah. services is often your biggest expense. Uh, yeah, it really was. Like, equipment, costumes, and craft services are probably the three biggest expenses. That, that we have on the set. Yeah, I can I, recommend some good costumes. <laughs> I like the bars. There's bard's, actually, one, uh, uh, there's actually uh, one here. Uh, she's probably in the other room at the moment. But oh, uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Case Case daughter. Victoria. Yeah, Victoria. Victoria Shapiro. Victoria Shapiro is a, a fabulous costume. She's I'm top shelf. I'm really good. We brought in uh, uh, Mako Simmons. Uh, I think that. Miko. Miko. Mako, Miko. I was confusing. <laughs> uh, for season two, if you notice, there is a costume change from one to two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allowed us to get a little more creative and a little more recently. Like, she still did things with, you know, next to nothing. She worked for materials, essentially. So you guys are learning as you go. And uh, how yeah. how much of a transformation would you say years worth of production is? Uh, well, I mean, you can go online really and see it. If you take a look at, at season one and how it was put together at, in every aspect from the writing to the editing to the cinematography to just everything. And then you take a look. We have um, our teaser trailer for uh, season two out right now. Mm-hmm. 
And just in that minute and a half of, of footage, you can see, you can just see the massive, there's a visual difference. Uh, we have much better special effects this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the editing gets tighter. The story gets tighter. We, we do bigger things. We start throwing in, uh, action sequences and, uh, magic and, you know, all these things. So, so the leap between season one and two, um, based on what we learned and the things that we gained access to is, Huge. It's like night and day, really. Does he get enough bat guano to throw a proper fire? He does. Oh, okay. He does. We, we have proper proper spell proper casting. Spell. Wizard fights. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It really it really goes. I saw some of the I saw some of the action sequences in the season two trailer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, wow. I mean, just you to look at that and then compare it to the first the the first episode mm-hmm. from 2011. Yeah. Uh, it's just. It, doesn't even look like the same show. There's yeah. that much of a change. Yeah, we, I mean, it, it really does feel almost like a completely different show, except the characters are the same, and they still, you know, have the, the stories, the, the same, follows the same story arc. But uh, we had a guy, TJ Sensula, who actually runs his own, uh, it's an action show. It's basically he just sets up fights and choreographs them and films them and puts them together. Uh, but he agreed to come on and, and bring his stunt team with him and do fights for us. So, I mean, and they're amazing. Like, our, our action is, is really good. For, I mean, we had, you know, for a, for a no-budget uh, indie production, we have some really good professional-looking uh, choreographed action sequences. And So have you gone to, I, I have to ask, you mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, you're paying for it using this same method that a lot of beginning filmmakers do. The credit card, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, which isn't really paying for it. I mean, it's, uh, it's yeah. uh, you know, it's, well, you're paying for it. It's getting it done. Yeah, it's getting it done. But it's uh, there has to be more profitable ways of doing this. Uh, well, we are hoping to find more profitable ways of doing it. Um, well, this becomes their portfolio <laughs> yeah, later. Essentially, in a, in yeah. a world where Doctor Horrible's sing-along blog can win an Emmy, you know. Well, that's anything can happen. Doctor Horrible's got you know. They had connections. You know, all they've got, all Josh they've got that you don't are connections. Uh, yeah, but uh, the web world in general, like right now, is this huge state of, of flux. Uh, right. The the producing side of actually monetizing web content, it's still kind of figuring stuff out, like early days of radio. Tell us it's like about you're not sure it. how it's going to happen, if no, it's going to happen. We're very... We're facing that. that problem. Yeah. You know, try try a, a science fiction radio station. I mean, yeah. that's... Talk about tough to monetize. <laughs> uh, so, you've had, you've had Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, yeah, we actually used Indiegogo, Indiegogo for the first two uh-huh. After we filmed all and put out all of season one, we put out a, a fundraising campaign uh, to try to recoup some of the money. Mm-hmm. And that one was successful. We reached our goal, and, and it helped immensely offset some of the costs that we had incurred from Season 1. Uh, then we tried to do another one for Season 2, and we got actually about the same amount of money, but it wasn't enough to essentially do things on the scale that we wanted to do them. So mm-hmm. that's why we ended up using a lot of our own money, was right, because right. we just didn't... We didn't make enough, um, and a lot of that is just, again, it's that lack of exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that the target audience is out there. We've done, we just, at the at Gen Con Indianapolis, we did a screening of the second season. You were just was, there? You, you just were, came, you just came yeah. back? Just came, not you personally, but the show just came back from Gen yeah, Con. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, people loved it. You know, people mm-hmm. were like, this was amazing. 
Wow, where can we see more of this? It wasn't it wasn't so much it wasn't so much the number of people that were actually in the room, but it was the people it, who logged on to watch the simulcast of it. That too, we we did uh, a live stream of it, um, and we had forty thousand during our stream. We had forty thousand eyes on it. Forty thousand eyes. That forty thousand. That's eighty thousand eyes. Eyes, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Divided well, by eighty thousand and one. There was Popeye. Unless yeah, <laughs> unless there's somebody with an eye patch so yeah. that will throw Arr. up. So, I mean, we know that the audience is out there and we know mm-hmm. that this is content that people want to see. It's just a matter of reaching them because, you know, you make something and you put it up on YouTube and it just gets buried. It, yeah, I mean, there's yeah, you, don't, you don't just randomly find things on the Internet sometimes, you know? No, you I mean, don't. I mean, it's yeah. it's so much a matter of, of tying it into social media and just being yeah. very active right. on social yeah. media yeah. and presenting in more than one format. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, you've got to be, I mean, for example... Uh, we're on Facebook, okay. Mm-hmm. We're also on Twitter. We're on Tumblr. We're on Pinterest, which makes no sense for a radio station, but we have it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're looking for even more. And uh, the best, one of the best ways, one of the best ways we found to raise public awareness is actually have giveaways and contests. And Yes, people love free stuff. They we actually, love free uh, stuff. that's how we, we filled the, the seats that the people that we got in at Gen Con. Uh-huh. They, they got, we had t-shirts and buttons that we were giving away and people eat that stuff up. They love mm-hmm. it. Lunch <laughs> boxes, yeah. Yeah, what, if you, what if you had, uh, what if you had things like? Walking in circles, lunch boxes, and things. Well, we have t-shirts. giant hammers. You have t-shirts. We have t-shirts currently. Yeah, um, t-shirts and buttons. We've t-shirts got. and buttons. buttons and the, the main, the main the, thing, the coffee becomes where does that cost offset? Money that we could be putting on screen. Well, the the point is to sell the stuff or find ways to sell it in ingenious ways. Yeah, but it, it, that stuff still has to get made. Yeah. So you're still spending yeah. eight well, dollars per shirt. Well, yeah, but uh, so it's, it's but you but you you, you have that balance just in time manufacturing and drop shipping, so you don't have to warehouse it. Right, you that, know, that's true. Yeah, I mean, for just for, uh, for anybody who's listening to the show, by the way. Uh, I just found out that Vistaprint is uh, running a special right now. You can get a T-shirt, a full-color printed T-shirt for six bucks, and nice. that's yeah. starting with a number, a quantity of one. Yeah. Wow. I want to so, see. I want to see how, what the quality of yeah, the print gonna, is on a black background. Yeah, I don't know if they can. Not print every. On black. Not all of them do that. Well, no, no. We'll see. But we'll uh, see. but we're going to be looking at that and. Uh, for example, we just ran a, a contest on Facebook, and it, we got like <laughs> that was a funny contest. It was a funny contest, and we were giving away fezes. It was like the Doc, authentic you know, Doctor Who the authentic fez. Doctor Who fez, no. and we got and you'll be getting them Saturday, Christine, Christina. Okay, you'll get them by the time you hear this. They will be in your hands <laughs> or on your heads. App, yes, and uh, and that worked really well. Yeah. I know. I know. We are currently in a major website overhaul. Uh-huh. Uh, in to, for season two, yeah, yeah uh, and we're gonna time. we're gonna come back with, uh, you know, the shirts and the buttons. Um, I'd like to introduce more, at least, even if it's just shirts, more designs of shirts. Mm-hmm. Like we've yeah. had, especially just from the screening live, a bunch of people. It's like, oh, I want that, you know, that quote on a shirt, like uh, with the Ernest. Like I'm, I'm gonna go whiz on these people. People want that. On <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was fun. That was yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, have you thought about? Novelization, uh, selling the books. It's that, your it's your intellectual property. Yeah, you, you well, get to. That was something that was suggested to me about first season. Was like, why don't you just do a, a novelization? And and the thing that 
well, it has to go hand in hand with <clears throat> the, the show. Right, yeah. No, no one's going to just go to the novel by itself. Right. I mean, it's sad to say, but yeah, they might, you know. But but uh, it takes something significant, like having a show, to go with it mm-hmm. to get people's attention. Yeah. Um, a lot of that, what, what it boils down to is that because our team is very small, um, you know, we just... We, fin- we were rendering the finalized versions of the episodes of season two the night before we left for Gen Con. Oh my so, God. So, I mean, like, you That's know, we... cutting it fine. We all have put so much time into post-production for season two that we... I haven't had time to write a novelization of anything. <laughs> like just you know, like just it's, now, uh-huh. starting to yeah. This is our is our breathing period where we can just but, finally sit back and be like, okay, what's the what's the next step in the plan? But even during it, we're like, we're we're okay. Well, we want to remix this music, and we have to get these onto files to give our actors. And mm-hmm. so, like the the down period isn't really a down period as much as it is. Not a push. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. It, it's really such it's, a massive amount. It's of work. time to. It's. It gives you the time to clean up all the loose ends. That right. Sort yes. of fell off while you were charging it. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask, Wither season three. Uh, season three. Honestly, um, I have. I'm actually currently writing the scripts for it. Um, we have. You know, the, everybody wants to go forward and do a season three. What this boils down to is how successful season two is. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, we are looking at distribution options that will monetize for that we will be trying to monetize the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we are doing, as Jared said, the the website overhaul where we will be uh, releasing uh, t-shirt designs mm-hmm. and uh, posters have been requested. So we're going to try to do posters and t-shirts and anything that people will buy. We're going to put out there. We're going to do all those things. And really, what it's going to boil down to is. If if that is all successful and we raise the funding through that to do a third season, there's going to be a third season. And if if it's not, then there won't be a third season. That's really it. Really boils down to: Does the audience want it bad enough? And if they do, there will be one. Um, just having a bit of aphasia here. The, the next step, I guess, is is uh, not just coming up to the same bar as a lot of the other productions. The what the other productions are doing is they're selling T-shirts and mugs and whatever, and you know the the classic swag stuff. Uh, and it, it's I think it's going to take more than that. I think it's, it's like a big take... old barbarian hammer. I, I think it comes down honestly. I think it comes down to the story and the content. Because mm-hmm. uh, I can, you know, I can design the greatest T-shirt in the world for a show that, you know, isn't very good, but doesn't mean people are going to watch it and therefore want the, sh- the well, shirt. Well, that's that's the core. So. It's the intellectual property. I mean, what you're doing is 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 creating something that can move from one medium to the next mm-hmm. fairly readily. Yeah. And uh, I mean, with just some narration, you'd have a radio show, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then you could sell it as an audiobook. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you could novelize your scripts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you sell know, it as maybe, an ebook. Maybe not necessarily write it yourself, but hand it to somebody who would be excited to work on that with mm-hmm. you under your guidance so that you wouldn't physically have to spend the time writing yourself. Yeah. Uh, because you're the owner of the intellectual property and you can move it forward, but. You don't necessarily have to do all the work. 
Yeah. You know, and, and it's it can't all go through one person. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but because you own the intellectual property, there are ways to make this a success. Uh, and, and it's it's it all comes from going back to the same well and making something new out of it, rather than just making swag. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we have we've we've talked about certain things like not necessarily spinoffs, but like into the backstory of our characters that we couldn't tell in the main main story. But that uh-huh. could be a whole you know that's a two episode thing, or that's maybe that's. Like you know, side, the novelization of how Marcus happened. Or, yeah. yeah, I mean, there, there clearly is a plethora of content to pull from. Um, and Jim structures his stories very well in that you want to know, you want to know that stuff. I find anyway, the later, so. I find the later episodes much more engaging. I think the quality of the writing has gone up noticeably from the, from the beginning of the show. Well, I mean, every, every aspect of the show has been a learning process for everybody involved. I mean, um, between, you know, episode one was the first thing that any of us had, had worked on, filmed, written, directed, you know, we're all starting from from level one and, and going forward, you know. So, I mean, you know, to say that there, there's been that jump in quality, it's, it's because we started from, from a place of uh-huh. no experience whatsoever. And every day on set and every day behind the camera, you know, every day in post, was us learning and growing and getting better and better until we have, you know, there is that noticeable difference between even just one episode and the next because we were, I mean, we were even, learning as we even went. Even season two, after, you know, when, when Adam finishes editing, you know, the eighth episode, we, we're like, let's, let's go back and re-edit that first episode because you've worked at it, you get the pacing better, you know, uh-huh. you know how the story's unfolding. So um, how, how far are you into shooting season two at this point? Season two is done. It is wrapped. It is ready to roll. It is oh my completely God. and totally finished. I I thought season two was just premiering, and that you were still in production. No, we oh, with a show like this, you can't do it that way. Yeah, it would. Uh, it, each each episode was, is such a massive undertaking that if we had if we had tried to shoot them as we go or or make them as we go along, it just there's would, no way that would have worked. I see. It would have to be your day job. Yeah. Well, and we we block shot. We shot. Uh, 12 solid days straight uh-huh. uh, one day off in the middle all uh, out in the woods where, yep. where are those woods uh, Big Bear up, up, okay. up near Big Bear it's nice um, it's pretty up there and we had yeah. you know our cast and our crew up there uh, and we did it all at once so that we could get it all out I come from a that solves the continuity problems yes, yes. well and my background my background is uh, it's more of a, a studio style system because mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. the way my film school ran and uh, well, they're preparing and, me for life. Yeah, mine too. Right, and that's and that's like I was very when I came in, I kind of handled a lot of the the, the technical side of stuff, um, mm-hmm. and that was the easiest way because you can get it's okay. Well, people can't necessarily give you know three days a week for four months, but I can get twelve days out of people. Especially if we take them up to the woods and lock them in a cabin, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just easier to get that. But yeah, I mean, there's so much post-production work involved. Like what, the wizard fight alone, there's there's multiple thousands upon thousands of layers of visual effects. Yeah, I believe um, which which Adam mm-hmm. you know learned as needed. It's like, yeah. well, I need to do this. Okay, now I have to figure out how to do this. Mm-hmm. So that slows us down, and that. But now he knows how to do that. So next time he has to do that a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. it'll go. 
oh god, not this again. Right. But yeah. don't get through. They'll be like, oh no. Or it's, oh, there's no problem. You know, click, 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 done. Uh huh. So it's it, it really yeah. is this. I'm sure Adam would have some choice words to say about that. Uh, yeah. After his 36 hours awake of yeah. <laughs> just rendering what the one the one shot rendered for two and a half days. Yeah. Just one yeah. shot. Some of those some of those larger effects they they take so much processing they time do. that it's they do. I, I used to work just, at Rhythm yeah. and Hughes and uh, uh, a typical typical render time for one frame was about an hour and 40 minutes, mm-hmm. and that's one frame. Yeah. And, there are 30 no seconds. So. Yeah, and no matter how fast the computers get, it, the render time is always about the same. Yeah. Because instead of uh, instead of just making things faster, it it raises the the uh, the capacity or the cap- your capability for producing better effects. Yeah. So yeah. you make it better until it reaches the breaking point when you can't. You have to render it at some point, and you have to get it done. Yeah, and our situation was a little, uh, a little awkward because uh, I was doing color correction, mm-hmm. and Adam was editing in Premiere, um, and I come from a Final Cut and Avid side. Right. So I was trying to <gasps> religious difference to cross <laughs> so to take his output uh-huh. and put it into the color correction software and give it back in an output he can use, uh, but at the same time, this has to happen while he's doing the effects and the effects have to be colored yeah, to the to, color yeah, corrected it has to footage. Be matched to the color so, footage. Like so. he would go and he would do temp stuff mm-hmm. on the uncorrected footage, which we would then replace with the corrected footage, and then he would adjust color. So it was it was it was a good like four extra Did steps. You have a, a lighting transform table? A lookup a look table? We, so. we we shot with uh, a profile mm-hmm. um, that on set we had included <laughs> so on set, we, we used a warming filter in front of the, the lens just to, to bring up the uh-huh. warms and the yellows and the, the reds. And, yeah, like a light amber. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then when we get into post, we sit down and we get talking and the notes come down. Well, let's go with a cooler palette. Oh, so, so uh, I yeah, like, yes, I okay. have just stripped out those light frequencies. <laughs> so, so that was her greener. <laughs> so we, we worked around that um, and we did shoot with a, with a LUT. Um, however, we threw it away, or I threw it away early on, um, and just did it, did it by eye uh, with some monitors and waveforms and, uh, until everyone was happy enough. I don't want to say everyone was a hundred percent happy, but yeah. So uh, let's see. So season three is uh, season three, maybe in the works. Uh, I it is my sincere hope that you get there, and I really want to see what season three is going to look like. So do we. <laughs> so what are yeah. your plans? Do you have for your future? I mean, I... Uh, right now it, it's you know just uh, building an audience for the show, building a bigger audience for the show. I mean that's really where it, what uh, any indie project comes down to is how much of a following do you have. Um, right now, we have our first uh, season. It's up on YouTube at youtube.com slash WIC the series. You can see all 11 episodes of it. Um, if you'll, you subscribe you'll find, to it, you'll find the links on the Krypton Radio website on the article that announced today's show. Oh, excellent. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, you know, we're on Facebook and Twitter and all those mm-hmm. places too, uh, as you are well familiar with. You're on Blip TV. Uh, yes, we are on Blip TV as well. Um, that but, sounds scary. That's, I watched. I watched uh, the, the Max Headroom. Max Headroom. Those make your heads explode. Right? <laughs> no, not that kind of play. No. Okay. 
but uh, but yeah, it's it's really just you know it, it, what it comes down to is you know do enough people want season three, do enough people want to continue, and and so our job is to is to reach the audience with you know in any way that we can, and uh, and if you guys like the stuff, you can support us by subscribing and liking and following us on Twitter and. Um, you know, click on those links that you see on the you know Krypton Radio announcement because though that's that's how we're going to get to a season three. And the and the donate button. The, yes, a donate button on the uh, we we have a donate button on our uh, website right now, which is wictheseries dot com. And I'm sorry, uh, speaking so fast, and I just walked in late. What's the website? Uh, wictheseries dot com. Wictheseries dot com. Yeah. Walking in circles. Walking in circles, yes. Walking in circles, the series. And uh, uh, actually, our website's going to be going through, as Jared had mentioned before, an overhaul in the next couple of weeks sometime. Uh, we're working out a problem. Apparently, it doesn't work on Firefox. So we're trying to figure out that. But uh, oh, That's odd. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, and, and so really, it's getting to the people. That, that's next step next is get, get out there and get to the people. Jared and Jim, thank you so much for appearing on this week's episode of The Event Horizon on Krypton Radio. It was our it pleasure. It has been Thanks. a great pleasure to have you with us. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us on, yeah. This has been episode 28 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for August 31st, 2013. Our guests this week have been Walking in Circles web series co-creator, producer, and writer Jim Rodehaver and co-producer and director of photography Jared Hoy. This evening's episode was recorded before a live studio audience at the historic clubhouse of the Los Angeles Science Fantasy Society in Van Nuys, California. This episode will air again on Sunday, September 1st at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The part of the science officer was played by renowned science fiction illustrator Mark Schirmeister. The part of the engineer was played by fandom dignitary Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was played by Corsair's closet producer Christine Cherry. And the role of the captain was voiced by science fiction novelist and living legend Larry Nassif. This program and its contents are copyright 2013 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. Stay tuned for more great music and tonight's episode of X-1. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.